Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hello and welcome to Mainstream by Pixel Sift. My name is Adam Christou, and this week on the episode, I am joined by Gianni D. Giovanni. Hey, how's it going, Gianni? Good, very good. Very good to be back uh, in the chair talking some Vigima games. Yeah, here at Pixel Sift, we've made our name delivering some of the best indie games coverage for games made in Australia and around the world. This is Mainstream, though, and it is episode 23, and on Mainstream, we discuss high profile blockbuster games sleeper indie hits and whatever we've been just having fun with and playing lately um what have you been playing gianni what what's been taking up your time uh in between lots of other things i have been playing uh, a game called fantasian uh, which is a old school rpg styled game with a lot of modern touches it's made by the original creators of Final Fantasy series, Hironobu Sakaguchi, uh, and it's playable on a phone, uh, which is really, really cool, um, and I'd love to tell you a little bit more about it in just a moment. Cool, and uh, sticking to Japan, I have been playing a lot of Monster Hunter Rise. It's the latest Monster Hunter game, so let's just jump right in and start right there. Sit down for a chat with your pals in video games. This is Mainstream by Pixel Sift. So Adam, Monster Hunter Rise, it's the new, newest, newest version of Monster Hunter. It's a game where you uh, kill big dinosaurs with a huge sword. What else is there in this game? Uh, tell us why we should be paying attention to Monster Hunter Rise. Well, not only can you kill huge dinosaurs with a big sword, you can shoot them with a bow gun. You can stab them with ninja blades. Uh, you know, there's 14 weapons. So, <laughs> hunt them with those. Um, look, on a serious note, though, uh, the Monster Hunter series has been around for a very long time and gives you the opportunity to play very interesting and engaging what I would call like long form boss battles with very dynamic monsters that you have to fight um, with some really cool weapons that each feel very different and almost like you're playing a different game depending on which weapon you're using. It's it's very much like you are not button mashing in this game. You are learning combos. You are learning the intricacies of how your weapons control and move. And there is a real fun sense of mastery of control and of systems in this game that makes you feel really good when you start nailing it. Um, I think what makes Monster Hunter Rise uh, really exciting for a lot of people is it's the first Monster Hunter game since Monster Hunter really exploded in the West with Monster Hunter World and Iceborne, which was uh, Monster Hunter's first big kind of next-gen console 
uh, series game. So that was on PlayStation 4 and Xbox and on PC a couple of years ago. Um, and it sort of brought uh, high definition graphics to the game series, which for the most part had been living on portables and Nintendo consoles prior to that. Um, so Monster Hunter Rise actually sees the game go back to a portable console. It's on the Nintendo Switch. Um, and it brings a lot of the quality of life changes that were in Monster Hunter World that made it so accessible for a whole bunch of people that just really signed off on this franchise for it being a bit too difficult and a bit too weird. Um, so it's kept all of that sort of stuff, um, but really just kind of, um, I guess, smoothed out the slower pace of Monster Hunter World and just kind of gone, all right, you know that this is a Monster Hunter game. Within the next five minutes from starting up this game, you are going to go from walking around town to fighting your first monster. It really just kind of pushes you into the deep end. So that kind of um, doesn't make it a great game for beginners for the Monster Hunter franchise, even though it has all of those quality of life changes that the that Monster Hunter World had. But it's definitely very satisfying once you get past the initial kind of brick wall that it puts in front of you in terms of like mechanics and just like what is going on. Um, there are also new things happening in Monster Hunter Rise that haven't been in the previous games. Um, movement and momentum is a really big thing in Rise. Um, so two new mechanics have kind of come into this series. One is the wire bug, which is like a Think of it as like a a glow worm or kind of like a silk moth or whatever that kind of hangs out with you and you can kind of shoot it out. It's on a small cooldown and you can then hang off the string that it creates, the silk, um, to kind of like moment yourself and push yourself across the map. It's almost like um, a grappling hook in a way. And then that wire bug also translates into special moves for your weapons as well, most of which are momentum-based and give you a lot of like um, movement and control in fights that you didn't have previously. And then the other big change is a brand new buddy that you can bring into fights with you. So Monster Hunter has had the Palico for a really long time, which is a very cute cat that kind of can join you in battle and use abilities and items and assist you. And Monster Hunter Rise brings in the Palamute, which is a kind of huge dog that you can ride around like a steed um, and helps you get from place to place really fast. And then will join you in combat as well by carrying a sword in its mouth. And that is really <laughs> adorable and fantastic. Um, Nintendogs and Cats revival. Here it, it is. It's really good. The Palamute brings like a sense of speed and just the swiftness to getting from place to place that makes this game just feel so much better. It takes you into the fights really, really well. And just along with the wire bug allows so much movement and momentum when you're exploring the environments that you're in that you actually conduct your hunts in. And that's kind of layered over the top with like a beautiful medieval era Japanese aesthetic, um, just in terms of visuals, in terms of the town that you're in, the music as well, it's all kind of drawing from that period of Japan's history and and kind of adding a bit of Monster Hunter flavor to it that I think just works really, really well. It's um like a gorgeous game to play. Sound-wise, it's stunning. I think the environment design is really cool because the wire bug allows you to have lots of verticality when you're exploring that just hasn't really been in the game before, and that is really awesome. Um, I think if you've played a previous Monster Hunter game, this one just kind of ticks everything that you want from a sequel. If you haven't played one, 
you'll be like, what is happening? What am I doing? Why is there a menu for a menu to pause the game? Like, a friend of mine who'd never played Monster Hunter before sent me a message basically saying, I had to Google how to pause this game. It took me 20 minutes. That sounds great. Um, that Well, so obviously it's a, it's a title for, for people who are well entrenched in the Monster Hunter series. Um, obviously, you know, the Switch is a much more accessible console for a lot of people now. Um, so potentially people might be trying it out for the very first time. I do wonder though, how, how did you play this game um, on the Switch? Did you try it in the handheld mode or was it mostly on the TV? I'm that weird person that doesn't use the Switch in portable. Like, I'm that one. Like, I think I'm the 1% of people that plays 99% of my time on the Switch docked on the TV with a pro controller. And so that's what I've been doing here. The game runs at a locked 30 FPS for the most part, which is fantastic for Monster Hunter. I wish it was 60, but we're on the Switch, so I'll take what I can get. Um, But it is kind of amazing just how beautiful this game looks and how well it runs on the Switch, um, considering that. And just how solid performance is across it as well. And yeah, there's kind of nothing better than just kind of, um, I guess, kind of wrapping yourself up on the couch and going, I have to hunt Nagakuga 30 times for the off chance that he drops the one item I need to make my next weapon. And <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what I did uh, for eight hours uh, earlier in the day. So <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's working really fun for me. Like, I, I think that. Monster Hunter, for a lot of people, its home is on a portable device, but I'm really enjoying the ability to still play it on like a, a big TV like I did with Monster Hunter World. Um, is there in, enough in it that if you have played a lot of the series before um, that you'll find this as an, like an interesting entry into the series or is it starting to kind of tread over common ground now? How does that, how does that sit for you? Yeah, look... Um, It definitely has a lot of new stuff. The wire bug and the new skills for each weapon are enough that if you've put like 120 hours into a weapon in Monster Hunter World like I did with the long sword, they've dramatically changed how that weapon works, the combos that you can use and some of the stuff that you can kind of skillfully pull off with it that I think that there is still a lot there for like a real veteran of Monster Hunter to want to bite into and have a lot of fun with. You know, every new Monster Hunter game has new monsters as well as a whole bunch of returning old monsters. And the new monsters in Monster Hunter Rise are really cool. Like, um, there's some really awesome kind of Japanese-inspired dragons. There's this one monster that shoots water bubbles at you that I really hate forever. Um, (laughs) um, And it's nice because we just had a brand new patch literally two days ago that brought in the first... A series group of elder dragons which are like super boss fights i guess you can kind of consider in the monster hunter vein as well as uncapping the monster hunter rank so now you can really start um kind of ranking up your monster hunter rank for for cool show-off abilities but also to kind of get to new events and fights um and there is going to be even more stuff continually updated to this game so i think that's um enough of a carrot on a stick for people that have put hundreds of hours into previous games to really enjoy this. Some of the changes that they've made to the existing weapons are just so satisfying that it's hard to want to go back to Monster Hunter World or another game and play it. You want to have your wire bug and your Palamute with you. And it's a hard ask to kind of give those up now, I guess. 
Does it make you think about what the series might look like in the future? Potentially, they may have their, um, you know, main core console Xbox Series release or PlayStation Five release, and then maybe a, a you know, a Switch version. Or, or do you think they're going to start merging so that the next Monster Hunter game we see will just be available on everything? That's kind of interesting. I know that the Monster Hunter team at Capcom actually have two different development teams working at the same time. So while Monster Hunter World and Iceborne were being worked on, it was the Monster Hunter Rise team in the background that were setting up this game and working with that other team and pulling some of the kind of quality of life improvements that were coming out of World and bringing in some of those influences. And you can really tell that there are like two alternating teams working on Monster Hunter games at Capcom at any different time. So... I do wonder if there'll be like a sequel to world in a couple of years after rise that will kind of take over as the dominant one, but rise is also eventually going to come to PC at some point next year. And I think that's going to be really exciting to see how that kind of comes together. And I think that'll capture a lot of people that weren't playing it on switch. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's ever going to go back to being like a big thing on consoles. I think it will kind of alternate a bit. I think that there is something about, this game being on portable that a lot of people really like that fights in this game, a kind of pick up and drop off after you're done. It lends itself to being on a commute really well. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like that it's on the switch a lot. I think it fits on the console really, really nicely. It feels like it's come home in a lot of ways. And just finally, what are, what is one of the moments that really stood out to you that just typifies the experience of playing Monster Hunter Rise? Oh my God, the soundtrack, like just the very first time I went into uh, my first monster hunt and um, there's all different biomes and they all have different kind of like scores and battle music that kind of kicks in when you start fighting one of the monsters. But there is so much going on with the soundtrack in this game. There is like a choir in the background. There is like some very kind of inventive, like traditional Japanese instrumental music kind of happening, kind of coming together with like big orchestral flourishes that like, I kind of felt like I was doing this dinky fight against the very first monster in the game um, and fumbling with my weapon because I've gone with a different weapon this time for Rise. I'm using the insect glaive. Um, and so I was like learning the weapon, whiffing all of my attacks while this like tremendous score that feels like I did not deserve it was kind of playing in the background. And that still is like my highlight. I actually get really excited to just get into a fight because the music in this game is so good that I want to listen to it while I fumble around and try to dodge attacks. It's very, very cool. Well, that's uh, Monster Hunter Rise available on the Switch, Nintendo Switch um, being updated all the time. Um, Maybe we'll see you online hunting those giant dinos with those ridiculous swords. This is Mainstream by Pixel Sift. So Gianni, what have you been playing over the last couple of weeks? You mentioned something was happening on your phone, on your iPad perhaps. Yes, um, I've been playing Fantasian, um, which is uh, created by Mistwalker, uh, a studio that is helmed by the original Final Fantasy creator Hironobu Sakaguchi. 
um, with music composed by Nobuo Uematsu. Um, it's interesting because it's an Apple Arcade game. It's the sort of game that you'd expect um, would normally come out on on any of other devices, just about. Um, but it's available uh, primarily on the Apple ecosystem. Um, you, you can play it with a controller um, if you want to. If you're playing it on the Apple TV, or as I've been doing uh, with little controller clip and my phone, um, or you can play it with touch controls. It's a, it's a classic style. Final Fantasy styled game, um, turn based. Uh, it has uh, a, a beautiful look to it with, uh, you know, a top down view. Um, it's basically like if you have the idealized version of those early Final Fantasy games um, and what it would like if they were made in 2021. Um, one of the coolest things about this particular one is that all of the backgrounds in this game are. Uh, models uh, are built in real life someone who is just an exit modeler has made lots of little miniature sets um, and those sets have been photographed meticulously and they form what would have been in previous games a pre-rendered background um, and you know you can see the, the world look, looks so amazing that quite often you have to pause and think oh my god somebody actually made this world that we're running around in at the moment um built it by hand and then took photographs of it uh it it is a really interesting stylistic choice and um you know i think adds a lot to a to a game that um otherwise uh might not be dramatically different from what you experience for for both for better and for for worse i have so many questions you know that i love me a japanese rpg um, so <laughs> I, I'm so curious about this one because I think the team behind it, are phenomenal. Um, and a lot of people are saying that this is the swan song for them. This is like the final, probably last big RPG game that they'll probably ever make. Um, and, and I'm kind of curious about, you know, when I think of Japanese role-playing games, I think of very elaborate, interesting mechanics and turn-based combat for the most part, although that's shifted in the last five to 10 years. And so I'm curious about the turn-based combat in this game. I know it's turn-based, um, but how does it all work? Are there class systems? Is there a job system? Is it more simple than that? Like, give me the whole kind of rundown. It, it is more simple than that. Um, basically, you've got uh, people who've got sort of defined sets of skills. As you progress through the game, they'll be unlocking different uh, abilities as you go. Um, there is, you know... Same sort of thing that you would have in many of those Final Fantasy games that you would have played or RPGs. You know, you've got multiple people in your party and eventually you get the choice to sort of switch them around and, and pick whoever is best uh, for the situation. Um, the there is a, It's a simplified um, experience when you're leveling up. You, you, your gear um, confers a lot of bonuses and it's that's kind of how you sort of have most of the control in the early stages um, where you are basically picking the best armor, picking the best weapon to unlock a skill or or something like that. Um, it's not like a job system in that, you know, you would, or even in the Final Fantasy VII remake where you equip a certain weapon, use the ability a certain number of times and then it unlocks for you. Um, it doesn't really work that way. Um, Gameplay-wise, it is, yeah, straight up a top-down uh, turn-based RPG, um, which is really cool. Um, but it, like some of the more modern um turn-based rpgs there's sort of like a um, you, you get to see the queue in real time and a lot of the strategy in this game is actually uh, manipulating the queue pushing your enemies down the queue allowing you to attack certain times or build up a combo um you know seeing when to expect a big attack um because the uh, attacks are quite often in stages there was quite an interesting boss um where you know you've really only got 
um, uh, one major boss, a large, almost like a Monster Hunter style, a big flappy bird thing um, that had a whole bunch of additional um, enemies around them. And the enemies around them um, would, would buff the boss. If the, buff, the boss got buffed three times um, before you could um, get in there, it would do a, a, an ultimate attack and three of those ultimate attacks and you're pushed off the map and you lose. Um, so a lot of it was managing the additional enemies, making sure that they couldn't um, put too much of this buff on the boss to stop you from doing it. You have to basically take about one. You could maybe survive with two and you get to push to the edge, um, but you, you have to think about the strategic way that you use your, your magic and your spill, spells and your abilities. And one of the cool things about this particular one is um, because it is designed for, for touch controls, um, they have these really cool things um, uh, where, where you can basically arc the spells in the game. So you have, um, normally you'd be picking your enemies and you think about Final Fantasy VII, for example, you know, there'd be a little arrow pointing at the enemy you want, or if you hit all, all the arrows are pointing at every enemy. But in this one, you've got a almost like a line um, and you can curve that line um, along a little arc, which would allow you to attack multiple enemies at once. So you're thinking about the arc of your magic in order to have it sort of curve around and take out a certain number of enemies. And you can even avoid enemies which have got um, resistances by going around them, um, by curving your spells around them. So that's what I used in that particular battle. You know, we could go almost in a big curve across the front of the en- of the main boss, take out all the little additional enemies that are in the front, um, and then, uh, you know, once they were all down, then concentrate on attacking the main boss and just whittling that health away. Um, so it is really kind of cool in that way. And I think um, what another really good, interesting feature that they've got in there is um, something called the Dimension um, system, which is... Uh, Very Japanese RPG. That yeah, right there. exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it is... Um, it, you, most of those other RPGs, you have random battles when you run around. Um, you'll be in the overworld and then all of a sudden your screen goes... Pew! And, and now you're in a random battle. Well, they have an, uh, a, a, like a, basically a function in the game um, that you can use to basically grind things out um, and set up different sort of uh, little small battles. Basically, you've got a, a queue of, of enemies. So you can turn that on, and the first 30 enemies that you run past and you find multiple in an in a, in a area at once in each battle um, will be added to this queue. And then at any time, you can press the button, um, which is square if you're playing on the controller or you know whatever the you know, B or whatever on the, um, the, sorry, X on the um, Xbox controller if you're using that one or you just hit the button on the on the screen. And then you go into a battle and you can fight those enemies in a big queue and they'll just go through a big run. If you let that queue fill up entirely, um, the system overloads and you have to fight all 30 of them at once. So it's all about kind of like extending your time in the overworld um, and then going, all right, well, I've hit 16 now. And I've only got a certain amount. I don't want to fight 20 enemies in a row because I'm going to be chewing through too many resources. So I'll just fight those first 16 instead of fighting five at a time every 40 seconds or something like that. So that's kind of an interesting way um, and a really clever uh, design thing, which I think actually really suits um, the mobile play and also the jump in, jump out sort of play. Mm, it sounds really exciting to me because I think one of the big annoyances of, of, uh, of random battles is just like the randomness of it, essentially. It's like you're you're trying to get to a treasure chest or you're exploring an area and it's like, no, I don't want to do this right now. And it feels nice to kind of give you the control back in a sense that is in a way that is a little bit more, I guess, nuanced than say Bravely Default 2 on the Nintendo Switch where monsters will just barrel at you at the speed of light. And so they're on the world map with you and you can kind of dodge around them and juke them if you need to. But it still felt like I was churning through a million battles in that game. And 
I think the way Fantasian's done, it sounds really fun to me because it's kind of like, it's my choice as to when I want to actually engage on that. And it gives me a layer of strategy around deciding when I want to do that, which I think is kind of really fun as well. Like I'm, I'm into that like big time. It sounds like a really much needed change, something really refreshing that I hope other games kind of look at and go, this is a really cool idea that we can kind of play around with as well. I really think that is the way to think about this particular game. It is a game that if you have played many of the other um, sort of classic Final Fantasy games or or games in that style, um, it is one that is going to be respectful of your time, which is something that has all, actually, for me, um, been a challenge with the more recent Final Fantasy games. Um, I think the last one that I played was fully played through was maybe 12 Mm. A or... Japanese RPG respectful of your times sounds yeah. like a fantasy. Sounds like a yeah. fantasian. <laughs> exactly. Well, because of the way it's designed and you can kind of jump in and out, it is really kind of quite clever in that way. Um, but I don't feel the pressure and there's a good sort of catch-up mechanic um, in terms of like what was I doing the last time? I know what I can go to do because it's sort of like a like a quest log um, in the game. It's not multi- There are side quests in this game, but they're sort of very sparse you know like maybe one or two um per area and you're quite clearly signposted of what what to do it, it's quite a good introduction i think if you want to um say um show someone hey this is the sort of games that i used to play when i was a kid um this is a good way to kind of uh, get people into it i think um, but also if you are like well i really love those games but i just really don't have the life <laughs> space mm. to play something like that anymore it does really scratch that itch as well it it for me, I thought it was. Um, it, it feels very reminiscent of Final Fantasy IX. That's just the vibe of it. It's sort of that crossover between science fictiony world invading a sort of medieval fantasy world that most of the Final Fantasy games kind of lean on quite heavily. Um, and it, uh, you know, is a sort of slow building story. It's not going to be mind blowing in terms of how um, the you know you know it's not going to be really going to go. Oh wow, this is a story that I'm really super going to be talking about for years and years and years but it's interesting enough um and you're kind of compelled along the characters are really kind of classic ff (laughs) style characters um they just uh just over the top in ridiculous ways but also sort of very cool as well um and you know they i think it gives a lot to people who who wanted to have a little bit of experience and and play it you know play this game over weeks and weeks and weeks while you're on the bus, play about five minutes here doing this bits and pieces. Um, you don't need to sit down for a marathon session, but it also does that if you want to do that as well. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a, a really clever way. And as you said, uh, maybe not a swan song, but maybe just like here's a, a nice capstone for um, this studio that really changed the way that um, that games were made for, for many different reasons um, and for, for many other series down the track. Yeah, I'm, I, I think it sounds really, really cool. One of the things that really stood out to me um, is this amazing airship um, that you get to go on. And it's sort of like, it, it's just like, it looks like almost like the gardens in Final Fantasy Eight, so lots of big metallic uh, artistic art, almost like art deco um, things just sticking off the top of this art sh- airship um, and it's like sleek and white and you're going through a big desert and all these like crazy sand fish are attacking you as you go through there and I'm just like this is just very peak Final Fantasy here and over in Sakaguchi sort of um, sort of vibes um, and I, I thought this it's amazing that you can play a game like this on your phone um, when you know 
thinking about what sort of things we needed to do um, to play those games in the past. Uh, it's just that I think that's one of the best achievements of this particular game. Fantasian, it's out on Apple Arcade. Uh, it's available on iOS, so you can play on your phone or your iPad um, or on the Mac or the Apple TV as well. You're listening to Mainstream by Pixelsift. Visit us on pixelsift.com.au. So this has been Mainstream by Pixelsift. It's what video games the Pixelsift team have been playing at the moment. My name is Adam, and a big thanks for being part of episode 23, Gianni. Always happy to be part of Mainstream. Yeah, big thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the Mainstream theme music. Gianni, where can we find you on Twitter and on various online places? Um, best place to go is to head to the Pixel Sift Twitter account at Pixel Sift um, or on Facebook as well, but mostly on Twitter. That's where I live. Anytime you see a tweet, it's pretty much me. Um, and uh, give us a follow there because we are really rapidly approaching a nice, nice good number that I'd like to reach. So if you see someone out there, create a Twitter account and get on there and, and follow us. You can follow us personally as well, but that's the best place uh, for you to go. Yeah, you can also follow me on at Adam Christu. <laughs> We've got another podcast. It's called Pixel Sift. It's where we talk to game developers, creatives, and people who are doing cool things in interactive media. So head to your podcast player and type in Pixel Sift. Give us a follow. You can get every episode of Pixel Sift and mainstream there for free. And we've got heaps more for you to check out on our website. Um, be sure to head over to pixelsift.com.au for videos, articles, and much more. That's pixelsift.com.au. And uh, why not join the Discord community that we have uh, uh, on Discord? Uh, and you can do that by going to pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. It's really nice. We've got a whole bunch of developers and other people sharing their experience about playing games, about making games. Um, it's a really good place if you're interested uh, in learning a bit more about the um, the process behind it and also just a real cool, nice, chill place uh, where, where people just like games and like talking about them. So you can go to pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord to join that one. If you've liked what you heard, tell a friend, uh, let everyone know, uh, because as you probably would have heard on every other podcast you've listened to, most of podcast marketing is done through word of mouth. It's about your you telling your friends if you enjoy something, and it does actually really make a big difference. It makes a big difference to do that. So if you have the time to share it, just send it to your group chat and say, hey, check out this podcast. I really like um, what they're doing. Yep, that's it for mainstream this time. Uh, peace out. Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one-month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 